Thank you. It's really, really good to be with you all tonight. Hopefully you have turned up the passage that Jamie very kindly told us where to find it. So that's page 1015 if you haven't already found it on the um, church Bibles. You can use your phones as well, obviously. So it's Mark chapter 10 from verse 46 to the end of chapter 10. Brilliant. I'm going to read it for us. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Can I lead us in a prayer? Almighty God, thank you so much that you love us. And in your love, you don't leave us to scramble around in the dark, but you give us your words that you help us to see. And so, Father, I pray by your spirit, would you help us to come to you now with the right hearts, ready to listen and to respond. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, several years ago, a transcript of a radio conversation came to light. It was recorded off the west, northwest coast of Scotland, I don't know if you heard this story before, between some Scots and an American Navy captain. It went something like this, and I'm gonna try and do the accents, so bear with me, okay? I'm sorry if I offend anyone here from America or Scotland. So the American starts off, please divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. Recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. This is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. No, I say again, you divert your course. This is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north that's one five degrees north, or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of this ship. This sunny is a lighthouse. Your call. <laughs> it's an amusing story. I hope it's true, I hope it's true. The American captain in the story, he makes the mistake of assuming he knows who he's dealing with. But when he finds out who he's really dealing with, he has to respond. His very life depends on it. 
And as we were going through Mark's gospel, we see something very similar going on in Mark's gospel. Just like the American captain, we are faced with the task of finding out the identity of someone. Who on earth is Jesus Christ? Why on earth has he come? And the surprise in Mark's gospel is that even Jesus' closest followers, his disciples, often can't fully see who Jesus is and why he's come. It's like they have a spiritual blindfold on much of the time. Now, somewhere, I've got a blindfold. Here it is, a blindfold. And it's, you know, this is one of those cheap ones where you can kind of roughly see through it. You can sort of roughly see things through it, this one. And it's kind of similar to what the disciples had spiritually going on. They get, get a glimpse of who Jesus is often, but not fully. So when Jesus asks uh, Peter in chapter 8, verse 28, who do you say I am? Peter sees through his kind of spiritual blindfold and he partly gets it right. He says, you are the Christ. You might remember that part in Mark's gospel. Peter understood that Jesus is the Christ. He's come to rescue God's people, the Messiah, the one promised way back in the Old Testament. Peter gets that. But what Peter and the disciples don't get, they don't fully understand, they don't fully see, is that Jesus hadn't come to ultimately overthrow the Roman Empire as they thought. You see, they thought Jesus had come to come in strength and power and might. Do you remember last week, if you were here last week, James and John, the followers of Jesus, disciples, uh, they come to Jesus and Jesus says to them, what do you want me to do for you? And what do they ask for? They want to sit at the top table. They want glory. They want power. Do you remember that last week if you were here? Like the American Navy captain, they don't really understand who they're dealing with. They just don't see it fully. Which is what makes our passage tonight, that I just read out, so remarkable, amazing. That the one who can see, spiritually see, really see who Jesus is, is a blind man. Now tonight, you might be in this room, and it might be that you have been in spiritual darkness all your life. It might be that you have been stumbling around in the darkness, maybe fooling around in the darkness. And tonight, it's time for God to take off the spiritual blindfold. Maybe tonight is the time to see fully. John Newton um, famously describes that moment in his life when he wrote the words to Amazing Grace. Uh, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. So the question is, how does the spiritual blindfold come off? How does it come off? Well, Bartimaeus shows us this very simple truth. Here it is. Nothing can I bring to Jesus, the servant king. Nothing can I bring to Jesus, the servant king. Uh, In the time of when this was written, Mark's gospel, there's a very clear hierarchy. There are rich people, there are poor people, 
then there's kind of 50 feet of Jericho dust, and then there's beggars. And then under the beggars, there are blind beggars. Blind beggars. There were nobodies. They were insignificant. And they're also a bit of a nuisance. So in verse 48, the blind man, Bartimaeus, is crying out to Jesus as Jesus is walking past, presumably because Bartimaeus had heard who Jesus was from people who'd previously walked on the road. And he's crying out, and the crowd just tell him to shut up. They think the blind man has got nothing to contribute to what Jesus is doing. Verse 48, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. I wonder how many of you have ever written a CV for a job application before? Kind of from the sides of this room, I'm assuming a fair number here. If you're looking for a quick laugh, not to do it now, okay? But if you're looking for a quick laugh, just type into Google, let's get this right, job application CV blunders. Uh, Huge hilarity to be had uh, if you do that. One of my favorite things that comes up is um, how someone apparently in their CV boasted that he failed his bar exam with relatively high grades. Uh, Or another one, when asked what qualifications he had, replied, I have extensive experience with foreign accents, which sounds a bit like my job application, potentially, um, although I don't have much experience. But when it comes to Bartimaeus and his application, if you like, to approach Jesus, he's got nothing. His CV is blank. I've got a blank CV here. I mean, it's just a blank piece of paper which says CV on it, but you get the point. Bartimaeus' CV is blank. He's got nothing to bring to the table. I wonder what you would put on your CV, your application to approach Jesus. Would yours be blank, or would you put down things like how great you are, how good you are, what a great person you've been this week, or today, or in the last hour? See, that's what the rich man did earlier in chapter 10. I don't know if you've been following the series in chapter 10 on these Wednesday nights. If you have, you might remember that moment in verse 17 of chapter 10 when there's a rich man who comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, "Uh, how can I inherit eternal life? And he says, I've kept all the commandments. My CV is brilliant, my spiritual CV. It's really good. Back in our passage... Bartimaeus is the complete opposite. His CV would be rubbish. He's got nothing. He's a blind beggar. Remember, he's at the bottom of the hierarchy. He's a nobody. He's a blind beggar. But here's the surprise. The rich man with the great CV ends up walking away from Jesus, and Bartimaeus ends up walking behind Jesus. How so? Because nothing can I bring to Jesus, the servant king. You see, the crowd didn't realize that the way we come to Jesus, the way we're given our spiritual sight, is not on the basis of our strength, but it is in the context of our weakness. Maybe you need to hear that particularly tonight. Maybe you are particularly aware tonight of your spiritual weakness. The Spirit is convicting you, maybe tonight, of something that you are feeling particularly weakened by. Maybe something you've done, and you're feeling particularly spiritually needy tonight. If that's you, please hear this. Unlike the rich man, it is Bartimaeus' spiritual neediness 
that qualifies him. The rich man ultimately puts his faith in his riches. Bartimaeus, he puts his faith in Jesus. Unlike the disciples that we heard about last week, James and John, they ask for glory. Bartimaeus asks for mercy. You see, it's not a coincidence that this story comes at the end of chapter 10. We've been hearing on Wednesday nights how Jesus, he kind of subverts the, uh, the human, the worldly value system. He turns it on his head. The first will be last and the last will be first. What does that mean? It means you don't enter God's kingdom by being impressive. It's not about your spiritual CV. Nothing can I bring to Jesus, the servant king. For some of us, perhaps all of us, definitely me, we need to stop trying to polish ourselves. We need to stop trying to kind of add to our spiritual CV. But instead, we need to get real with God. We need to be real about our spiritual weakness. There's an American pastor, um, so I say I know, I don't know him, but I've heard him speak a few times. I really like him, I respect him. And he tells this story of a time when he was leading a kind of men's ministry group at his church one sort of midweek evening. And he had this crazy moment on that evening in this group, this crazy moment. He wasn't planning on doing this, but he just had this moment where he just said to everyone in the room, what I would like you to do is turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor your deepest secret. Tell your neighbor the one thing that you are most ashamed of, the one thing that you are most embarrassed by, the thing that makes you feel guilty, the thing that you don't want anyone else to know. Right now, turn to your neighbor and tell them what it is, if you feel comfortable. <laughs> now, he says, he doesn't recommend people doing that uh, often, but he says it was one of the most amazing moments for this group of people at his church. It transformed the people in the church because they were being real with each other from that moment on, and they're being real with God. It was a moment of them saying, I'm weak, and I'm in need of God's mercy. Now, don't worry, I'm not gonna ask us to do this <laughs> tonight, don't worry. But the story does illustrate, doesn't it, as we consider being in that room, how difficult it is to be weak, how difficult it is to be vulnerable with others and with God. But strength in weakness is the economy of God's kingdom. Bartimaeus, here's who Jesus is. He has faith in what Jesus can do, and so he calls out in weakness. And Jesus' response shows how he truly is the servant king. Remember in verse 45 last week, he said he had come not to be served, but to serve. Well, here he is in our passage stopping and healing an utter nobody. It may come as a surprise, given the accents, that I used to do a bit of acting, uh, amateur stuff. And um, it may not come as a surprise that there were a lot of times when I would audition for things and I would be told I didn't sound right or I didn't look right for a part. But with Jesus, it's the opposite. You see, with Jesus, he sees that we are not spiritually right. He sees that. 
All of us are spiritually broken. All of us are spiritually weak. Just some of us are better at disguising it than others. Each of us have things we might be feeling ashamed about as we consider them. And Jesus sees those things, and still he calls us to him. In verse 49, the word call is repeated three times. Jesus wants you. He wants you. He says, I want you so badly, I'm going to give up my life for you. He says back in that verse, verse 45, even the Son of Man, he's referring to himself with that title, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus paid the price for our failures, our mess, as he died on the cross. The weakest, most pathetic, most humiliating death you can imagine. And he did it for you, out of love. He did it because he knew that the first will be last, and the last will be first. Jesus at the cross was the last. And yet Jesus did not stay dead. He rose to a new life, and he ascended to the heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is the first, and he offers us his hand, his life. I've dealt with your mess. It's dealt with, it's paid for, I've done it. You can be clean. You can have sight, come follow me. He calls. As we finish, take a look down at verse 52 if you've still got your Bibles open. Verse 52, go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The word for healed is saved. What has healed or saved Bartimaeus? His faith. His trust in who Jesus is. It's all about Jesus. Nothing can I bring to Jesus, the servant king. Bartimaeus was given sight and he followed Jesus to the cross. Maybe tonight it's time for your spiritual blindness to come off. Where's the blood? Here it is. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to declare that there is nothing that I can bring to Jesus, the servant king. So hear his call tonight and come to him. Come to him afresh. Come in your weakness and receive your spiritual sight.